Okay, so we've been talking about prayer, right? We hit pause button for Christmas, and I just, Christmas Eve service was amazing, wasn't it? If you were here, it was great. Now, just watch out for the wax on the floor, because there is wax on the floor that I saw. Sherry, we're going to have to do some of the, I don't know. <laughs> right, so, so there, there's, but just be careful with that. But anyway, it was just a great time. It was a great uh, evening this last Friday night, just being in the presence of God, seeing all the candles lit. Uh, there was roughly about 150 or so here. And uh, just seeing the candles lit and just seeing people here, it's just so amazing, man. Praise God. But we, So we hit pause for Christmas. Now we're going to get back into it. And my last message on prayer, okay, on prayer. So let me just kind of recap and rehash what we've been talking about. Week one, we talked about significant prayer. Does anybody remember that? Nobody. Okay, good. I don't expect you to remember it. Okay. Um, I can remember what I did yesterday. All right. So week one, we talked about significant prayer. You can find all of these messages online on our website. Okay. Significant prayer. You are called. This is what we talked about. You are called. Amen. Say, I am called. Uh, You are called. You are important and you are significant in the eyes of Christ. There's too many people walking around not believing what God says about them. They'd rather believe the enemy's lies over their life over than what Jesus says about who they are. And what we need to do is align ourselves with how God sees us and what he sees. And let me just tell you, folks, he sees you as powerful and significant in in his eyes. Amen? Week two, we talked about declarative prayer. Pastor Steve preached a powerful message on declarative prayer. Taking the word of God and declaring it over your situations, your circumstances, and your life. Today, I want to talk to you about prophetic prayer. Ooh, prophetic prayer, prophecy. Ah. Have you guys ever wondered what the prophetic is? Or whenever someone says prophecy, what that really means? Have you guys ever thought that before? See, growing up, I always, when I heard prophecy, okay, I always thought to myself that there was going to be an old guy up here walking through the book of Revelation with me on the timeline. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Every time I, I heard the word prophecy, I always thought that it, talk, it, it always meant the end times, the end times, the end times this, the end times that, and the end times this. And that is true. That is a form of prophecy. Why? Because it is in the future. It is foretelling. It is, and let me just tell you here real quick right now that the end time, okay, that we so talk about in the word of God, I believe that we're living out those days right now. Okay. So the prophetic means a ton of things. And like I said, before I knew what it really meant, I always thought it was that. But the reality is this, is that God wants to speak to you, amen? He wants to talk to you. I remember a while ago, there was a certain TV program that made fun of our vice president for hearing God. And I went, how dare you? God I'm convinced that God's a chatterbox. I'm convinced that he wants to speak to you. I'm convinced that he wants to share secrets with you. I'm convinced that God wants to to have an open and honest conversation with you. The real question is, are we listening? Are 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 we just waiting for the bolt of lightning to come down and strike us, right? And then we go, now I hear from the Lord. There's so many misconceptions about the prophetic. Right, when we think of somebody who prophesies, we think of somebody who looks like Moses carrying a staff with a long white beard. Now that's a prophet. Uh, that's, that's a prophet. And he says some Gandalf wizard kind of thing. You shall not pass. Boom. And then that's, that's, 
That's a prophet. That's the only examples that the church, unfortunately, in America and in our nation has had for prophets. I want you to know that me and you can carry the voice of God within our hearts to declare that. Amen? Amen? So there's two definitions of the word of God. So if you're taking notes, this is what I'm going to attempt to teach you to the best of my ability. Because I believe that every single one of us, no matter your age, no matter how old, young, no matter how long you've been coming to church, every single one of us has the ability to hear God and speak what God is saying. So there's two definitions of the word of God. When we look at the word, there's the word logos, not legos. It's logos, which is the, the, the Greek definition for that is the written word of God. That's the Bible. That's the written word of God. That's what you and I hold in our hands when we're having coffee in the morning, as you should, right? We're having coffee in the morning and we open that up, right? And we read a chapter, we read a few verses, we read one verse, whatever. That's the written word of God. The word, log- the word logos is where we get our word logic from. So if we can say this, and if you will, just entertain with me for a second, the written word of God really is the logic of God. It is the logic of God, the logistics of God, how he operates, who he is. I heard it best said like this, that the B-I-B-L-E is the basic instructions before leaving earth, right? It is the B-I-B-L-E. It is the logic of God. And then there's the second definition for the word of God, and that is rhema. Okay, that word means in the Greek definition, the spoken word of God. This is the spoken word of God. This is defined as when God speaks to you. Now, let me just touch on the logos real quick. In your Bible, in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, I believe it's on the screen. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says this, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. You guys ever seen a two-edged sword before? pretty amazing that both sides are sharp. It's not just one side. Both sides. For the word of God, when it says the word of God is saying the logos, the logos is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, you can't run away from the word of God. You can't get away from the word of God. The word of God. Look, when I was in high school, I would bring my Bible to school. And I want to challenge every young person and student to do this. I don't care what the culture says that you can't. You are able and you are free to bring your Bible to school. I used to bring my Bible to school, lay it on my desk on the right-hand side corner. and People would come by and knock it off. But instantly that word would speak for itself people will begin to have conversations about what is that? Why did you bring that? What happened? And it just opened up doors for me as a ninth, 10th, 11th grade student just to begin to share Jesus with my peers. See, the word of God doesn't need any help. The word of God doesn't, the Bible doesn't need anybody else to come in and try to do this and try to do it. No, the word of God is powerful alone. It is self-standing and it will never, never, never grow old and it will never get weary. It will never become outdated despite what other, what other religions or what other denominations might say. The Bible is the Bible and it will always remain true. Amen? It will always remain true. The Bible in itself is the prophetic word of God. 
You see, and so many people run to prophets for a word. I'm gonna be real honest with you. I love the spoken word of God. I love the prophetic. This last year, though, I got tired, a little worn out, of prophets moving the goalposts so that way they can be right all the time. Well, I didn't mean this month. I'm really meant next month. Not this week. I really meant next week after that. Look, I know it's unveiling. I know it's unfolding. And I'm not trying to bash anybody. But what I'm saying is this, is that if we continue to chase after the prophets to speak to us rather than going to the word of God for ourselves, we will remain dried up spiritually in our hearts. God wants to speak to you through the word of God. Amen. He wants to speak to you with the word of God, with the word and the written logos word of God. It is there for you to eat, to consume, and to live your life by. You'll never, never, never change it. Many people have tried, but it doesn't work. Amen? Amen? But where we're going to camp today is on that spoken word of God, the rhema word of God. Remember rhema, the Greek definition for that, and you can look it up. The Greek definition for that is the spoken. It's when God speaks to you. Just by a show of hands here this morning, how do you believe that God has spoken to you within the last week or two? You've heard God speak to you. God speaks to you. And when he speaks to you, he will never contradict the Logos word of God. Look, hear me, listen to me. If you feel that God is speaking to you to divorce your spouse, you're wrong. He's not speaking to you that. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard that before. Well, God is speaking to me to do this, and God is speaking to me to do that, and it contradicts what the Logos Word of God says. If it does that, guys, listen, we've missed the mark, and it's okay missing it. It's okay not to get it right all the time, but do not go against what the standard in the Word of God is. Amen? Man, Pastor, that's a great word. Keep on preaching. I think I will. Thanks, choir. So the spoken Word of God. This is where God speaks to you, either for you, for someone else, or the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says this. Pursue love, yet earnestly. I love how the King James and the NIV put it. They say, but eagerly, like a Christmas gift under the tree, on December 25th, eagerly. Desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Especially, the Bible says in the New American Standard, especially that you may prophesy. Turn to your neighbor and say, you. Okay, that, there's more neighbors in here than that, okay? Uh, turn to the person next to you in your seat. Maybe that's a better way to say, okay, than you that you may prophesy. Not Pastor Jake, not Deb, not, 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 not just Pastor Steve, not just those people who are called into ministry, but that you, you may prophesy. <laughs> I love that. See, Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church. 
He didn't pick out just a few people in the Corinthian church. He said, no, listen, Corinthian church, that you may prophesy. Don't forget, the prophetic is all about love, but eagerly desire to prophesy over each other, over everyone, over your situation, over your circumstance, the things that are going on. God has given you the ability to hear and to speak what he is saying. Shake out that candy in your body. God desires for you and me is to use and to be his mouthpiece to the world that we, that we live in so we can shape, we can transform and direct this culture the way that he sees it. You're tired of the way the world's going? Then start speaking what God's saying. Start living what he's saying. Start doing what he's saying. Amen? See, God promises us in the word he, got, he promises us the prophetic, especially in these end times. The, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, he says, and it shall come to be in the last days. Someone say the last days. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Guess what, guys? We are in for the greatest revival we've ever had in our lives. This is going to make the book of Acts look dry. They're going to write about this and go, I remember in 2022 where the Holy Spirit was poured out in a powerful way. And they were meeting at 1214 County Road PH. And before you know it, suddenly a wind came in rushing in through the building and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hello, I just prophesied over our church. <laughs> you, but you didn't say God said. I want you to know that everything that I'm, t I'm teaching about is going to be in our Disciple You classes online. Okay? I won't be so animated and excited about it because I'm talking to a camera. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. God desires for you to prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men and women will have dreams. <laughs> Most of us pray for a revival. When revival hits the fan, we get nervous about it. Did you hear what I just said? I, you know, I may be speaking to maybe some people who don't really quite understand, and I don't take that for granted. I want you to know <laughs> that when God moves, it's not like how you picture it. It's not like how we define it. It's not even how we've experienced it. The greatest hindrance to the move of God is the previous one. We need to move forward. We need to see what God is doing. We need revival in our churches. We need revival in our, in our communities. We need revival. We need the Holy Spirit's power to pour out upon all flesh. Amen? That's what needs to happen. I didn't say it. He said it in Acts chapter 2. Because in the last days... I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Thanks, man. That would have been awesome. I am Sparta. Boom. God desires you to prophesy. You see, in the New Testament church, when it all started, everyone says, we just need to get back to the way it was. Well, this is the way it was. This is the way it was. 
I'm sorry, they didn't have hymn books back then. This, they didn't have projectors and screens. Am I saying that all this is bad? No, that's not what I'm saying. I say any of that's bad? No, not at all. Obviously, we mature, we grow. That's God's intent to be fruitful and multiply. I understand it. But if we really want to get back to the basics of how the church started, then we need to understand that this is how it started. With the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh. See, the New Testament church, the prophetic was normal. It was actually cultural. The prophetic actually was a normal way of life. Now, most people are extremely sketched, sketchy. I'll say it the way I understand it, or leery about prophets and the prophetic. Because all of their lives, all they've ever been taught, all we've ever been taught about the prophetic is that every prophet is a false prophet. That's all we've ever been taught, is that every prophet is a false prophet. And they use this verse in Matthew chapter seven, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And that's all people teach about the prophetic is they teach that every prophet and everyone who prophesies is a sheep in wolf's clothing. Well, I like to propose to you this morning that if the Bible warns us of false prophets, then there must be real prophets. There must be people who are truly, really prophetic in what they're saying and what they're doing and how they're living their lives. Now, we do have to be careful. Oh, man. We got to be careful, amen? Because the Bible does warn us that in these last days, as much as the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh, that in these last days, many people will come in my name saying they are Christ. Matthew chapter 24, verses four through six puts it like this. And Jesus answered them and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many people. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. <laughs> I love that. Because <laughs> all the Christians in today's culture are like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And Jesus say, hey, hey, yo, don't be alarmed. Like, this is going to happen. We hear wars and rumors. See that you're not alarmed for those things must take place. That is not yet the end though. See, when the Bible talks about people coming in his name, we have to really truly understand what this really means. Because when they say they're coming in his name, what they're saying is that I am Christ. Well, when we look at the word Christ, what does the word Christ mean? The word Christ means anointed one. Come on, somebody. I'm going somewhere. There's a lot of people who are claiming to be anointed, but not anointed at all. And they're coming in his name saying, look at me, I am anointed. They're saying, look at me, I am anointed but yet they accept everything that goes against the word of God. They don't call, call out sin the way sin should be called out. They don't do anything. They just say, look at me, I'm anointed because they're trying to mislead you, only trying to teach you what you want to hear. Many people will come and say that I'm anointed. Now, obviously, I know that they're in the last days, there will be people who say that I am Jesus. There will be people who say that I am Christ. If you just do a quick Google search, you'll find out that there's tons of people who say that about themselves that they are the Christ, that they are this. I don't get offended very much by stuff. But this last week in Illinois at the state capitol, they actually put the satanic baby next to the baby Jesus in the manger. Uh, yeah. Illinois, ugh. 
Thank God the bears are losing. I'm just playing. No. If you're a Bears fan, I'm sorry, Dave. You're awesome. So there's going to be a lot of things going on, but especially that in this world, in this culture, people who say they are anointed, but yet not delivering the gospel, not delivering the good news, not delivering signs, wonders, and miracles, not delivering the things that Jesus Christ died for on the cross. I like to call that the woke church. This is the woke church where everything goes, everything's all right. Oh, you're this way? Come on in, it's okay. God doesn't expect you to change. We can, he'll just love you. He'll just love you for who you are. Look, I'm all for God's love, amen? I'm all for God's love, but God's love leads you to transformation. And if you're not being transformed by the power of the gospel, then it's not the gospel. <laughs> there's something in us that rises up you are anointed by Christ amen but you're anointed for transformation that's what the gospel does for your life and for your heart now hear what I'm about to say do I think that Jesus would reject you no God loves everybody it's the one word in the Bible that defines who God is it says that God is love. Yes, God is love, but he loves you so much to change and show you who you really are in him. Your true identity, amen? See, this woke church is a church that accepts anything and says, but God just loves me, and that's true. He accepts everyone, but he doesn't tolerate sin. And he doesn't simply just put up with it. He wants you, but he also wants to transform you. I feel like I needed to say that in my notes. So there's no need to be prophetic. Or no need to be afraid of the prophetic. You need to be prophetic. There's no need to be afraid of the prophetic. If you think you're going to get duped and be misled, all you have to do is find some brothers and sisters around you. This is why the table groups are so important. This is why the church is so important because if you're getting duped, guess what? Someone's gonna call it out. Hey, look, that's wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. But also, you can never go wrong if you follow the voice of God. You can never go wrong if you stick to the standard of the word of God. Amen? So there's no need to be afraid of the prophetic. God encourages you to prophesy. He even eagerly wants you to desire it. So there's three main purposes of the prophetic. You guys ready? I'm going to say these fast because it's written in the word. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse three says this, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification. Someone say edification and exhortation and consolation. The three main ingredients of the prophetic word of God is to edify, is to exhort, and to console. Okay? Edification means to build up. Exhortation means to call near. And consolation means to cheer up. If our prophetic words are not building up, calling people near to God, and cheering people up, then we might want to hold on to that for a little bit. If you don't feel, and if I don't feel closer to God, by the prophetic word, and I feel condemned, and I walk away, and I just feel, that was awful. 
right? Then we're not pointing people to Jesus. The prophetic word always points people to Jesus, always points people to Jesus. Never point you to yourself. What most prophetic people do is they want their words to be so profound that they make up a bunch of stuff so people can go, wow, that was really good. That was really good. Heard a story one time, and it was at the end of my notes, but I'm gonna say it right now. Heard a story one time of a team of 70 people went to a, they had a prophetic school, okay, in another country. And they were just learning how to prophesy, learning how to do this. Which, having prophetic schools is actually biblical, if you didn't know that. It's called the School of the Prophets. You can look it up, it's in the Old Testament. Right, and so, and so they're having this prophetic school of teaching people how to prophesy, right? And, and, and what happened was, there was a lady there whose son was, um, I, I believe, that her son was bipolar, dealt with a lot of depression, very bipolar. And, 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 and this lady had been praying for her son, God, just pray. And so she said privately to herself, if God, I just need you to touch my please give me a sign. And all, all I'm asking for God, all I'm asking for God is that someone just tells me without anywhere, without even knowing that I have a yellow shirt on. That's all I'm asking for. And I know you're gonna heal my son. Sounds childish. Sounds like, why would you do that? You should just have faith. But let's just face it, all of us need a little bit of exhortation every now and then, right? And so this guy gets up and he begins to prophesy. And he says, you in the back, God wants you to know that you have a yellow shirt on and the sun is yellow. And then he just kind of just started like talking about yellow, 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 right? The reality is this, that was really great. And he made his words sound really profound and really, really awesome. But all that lady needed to hear was you have a yellow shirt on knowing that God's gonna heal my son from being bipolar. That's all she needed. And what a lot of people, prophetically, what they do is they try to make up a bunch of stuff when God wants you to simply just say the word and move on. This is the teaching part of it, okay? God doesn't need you to be profound, to be powerful. He just needs you to be obedient to what he's saying. We're all guilty of it, we've all done it before. We all do it. But can we just say whatever God's speaking and just let the chips fall where they may, amen? So the three main purposes of the prophetic is to edify, exhort, and console. In fact, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are some of the love languages of God. They're the love languages of God. When we prophesy over someone, that person should feel kissed by God. That person should be kissed and feel kissed by God. It's the same too when we operate in the gift of healing. The person we're ministering to should feel embraced by God. But I don't have that gift. No, the Bible says eagerly desire those gifts. I said this morning in my little truck talk, I don't know if you guys ever watched that Sunday mornings when I roll in. I said, we, we make this way too complicated than what it really is. Right? We make this way too come. I don't have that gift. I don't operate in that gift. That's not my gifting. No, look, Jesus is the gift. Amen? And if you have Jesus living in your life, guess what? You get to operate in those gifts. I'm not saying that you don't get sharpened and, and you have a specific gift more than others. not what I'm saying. But stop making it complicated. Whatever gift is needed in the moment is what the gift you're operating in in that moment that God gives that to you. And it's the gift of prophecy. Amen. If it's a gift of healing, hallelujah, each and every single one of us has the ability to do that. Why? Because of Jesus. 
not because of how much you pray, not because of how much you read your Bible, all that matters, but when it all is said and done, it's all because of him, not because of what you do. Amen? You can play some music back there if you want to, real lightly, the altar call music, just very gently. I have about six pages of notes left, but I'm only gonna do this next thing. If you want the rest of it, you have to watch it online. <laughs> there's two prophetic dimensions. Remember, there's three reasons why we prophesy. Does anybody remember those? That's to exhort, right? To edify, to exhort, and to console. So here's two prophetic dimensions. The number one is foretelling. This is the way in which we prophesy. There's foretelling. Now, I know what you're thinking. You mean fortune tellers? Are you kidding me? See, when we think of the prophetic, this is the one we think about the most. We think about the person who comes up with the whiteboard and foretells the future. Right? There's the foretelling. These are the kinds of people, when they prophesy, they have a, um, they have a telescope. They see far out. They see out into the future. Okay? There's the foretelling word of God. And then... There's the forth telling word of God. Foretelling is I see into the future. Forth telling is I'm causing the future. Foretelling is I see what God is doing. Forth telling is I'm going to cause what God is speaking right now. And the best example of this forth telling word is found in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 4. And he says, Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. When we have a forth telling word, we don't just see it happen, but we actually declare what God is saying. In that moment, having faith, believing that God is going to do what he said in that moment. It begins to change. It begins to shift the culture around us. It begins to change and shift the, the, the way things are going. So let me put it to you like this. If you're having a bad time in your family right now, and there's some things going on with your family right now that you just can't seem to get a handle on. Maybe you've got a son or a daughter who's dealing with drugs and alcohol. Maybe you've got something going on, and you've been praying, you've been praying, you've been praying. Listen, get a word from the Lord and begin to speak it and see what God does with the declarative prophetic word of God. Say to those dry bones, dry bones, it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up. See, foretelling words can direct the word against contradictory circumstances and situations in your life. These types of words have a microscope rather than a telescope. They see the here and now, the right now word. Foretelling words are in the moment. They're what God is speaking, what he's saying, what he's saying for life, and what he's saying for transformation. And I just think that this culture needs some people to rise up and share their foretelling words. To see what God is saying right now into our world into this. And next week when we pray, guess what? There's going to be a lot of prophetic going on. Not just in the future, but for right now. When you hear my wife on the video say, I've been praying and asking God what the year looks like for 2022 and what the next steps are. What's happening is 
she had a foretelling word that's turning into a foretelling word because her foretelling word was, God, I see this happening. Now we're gonna make this something that we're gonna do. It's something that God prophetically spoke to her. So now we're gonna see this through. Amen? That's a foretelling word. The reality is this. We have to hear and listen to what God is speaking. We gotta hear what he's saying. Speak that. Have faith and see what happens. Both types of words are both biblical and they're both practical. If you've been around here in a number of years, you'll hear this all the time. One of our mantras here at the church is to make your spiritual life practical and your practical life spiritual. Amen? You are not a human having a spirit experience, a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. We make our practical life spiritual and our spiritual lives practical. And both of the foretelling and the foretelling word of God are both biblical and practical. But regardless if it's foretelling, foretelling, all of those things, both types of words are both biblical and practical, but both require intimacy with the Father. Both of these words must come from a place of intimacy with Jesus. You don't get to call yourself a prophet just because you prophesy as much as I get to call myself a car every time I think I'm a car. And if I were a car, I'd be a dually four by four diesel truck. <laughs> rawr, 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 rawr. Or I'd be that other one, that Ford Lightning truck that's coming out. Electric cars. My teeth. Both of these words, both of these types of ways to prophesy all require intimacy with the Father. It all comes from a place of your significance in Christ. And every single one of us has the ability to have foretelling and forthtelling words, the future and the now. And God is eagerly looking for people who will take on this call on their lives. You don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. In our Disciple You classes, we're gonna talk about accountability and what it means to be accountable with your words. We got too many prophetic words flying out there without accountability. That's wrong. I think when you prophesy, you should follow up with that word or with that person. But you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord to be a prophet. You just have to be you because you're significant. Amen? And you have to declare declarative prayer. And we have to prophesy just the way that you are. If you want to say, thus saith the Lord, go for it. No one's, lightning's not going to strike on you. I'm just saying, you don't have to. You just have to be you. So as I close, God's not asking us to be rock stars in the prophetic, amen? Praise God. He's just asking us to be available, to say yes to the call, to hear his voice and speak it. 
Remember what I said earlier. You don't have to be profound to be powerful. You don't have to be profound to be powerful. You just have to be obedient. (laughs) Why? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Why? Because obedience incorporates faith. And faith pleases God. Even the mustard-sized seed faith pleases God. So help us, Lord, to be prophetic people. Help us, God, to be the type of people you've called, to be the mouthpiece to this culture, to this city, to our families, to this church. God, we're believing and we're trusting in your word, in your logos word of God, when you said that in the last days you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Jesus, I'm your son. Help me, Father. I need it more than anybody. Help me, Jesus, to have clarity to not to be clogged up in my mind and in my heart, Jesus. To not be distracted by the things around me, Father. God, I apologize and I'm sorry, Father. I repent, Lord Jesus, of being distracted by the culture around me. Father, help me just to focus on you and you alone, Jesus. That's it. Because I want to hear your word and I want to speak your word. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.